Oh, hello. <laughs> hello, Sam. How is London? Are you freezing? London's great. I am freezing. It doesn't matter. You're it's going, all good. You're going it's all good, Sam. Giant adventures all around. I'm, big adventures. I'm speaking to you on the internet again, which is novel. I don't like it, though. I can't give you squeezes when you're over the well, internet. Yeah. So, you know, there are pros and cons to every situation. Although, um, you know what we must get? We should get those, like, um, you know, those, like, hugging bots, like robot mm-hmm. sex toys, basically, but without mm-hmm. the sexy functions, where mm-hmm. you can control them over over Skype so that I can, like, give you squeezes over Skype. And then it's, That's what we need. Wow. Okay. Yes. One of those. <laughs> I'm sure these things exist. I might have just they, imagined them. They probably do. It's, yeah. it's called a hugger jacket. A hugger jacket. <laughs> yeah, it contracts when you push uh, told on uh, your keyboard. Ah, uh, the future. Isn't it glorious? <laughs> so glorious, Sam. So many deeply meaningful things that we've injected into our environments to yeah, help us cope sort with of. our inevitable doom. I don't know. I was reading this thing today about how um, American millennials... I fucking hate the term millennials. It's a whole other thing. What um, does it even mean? What does it even mean? What does it Are even you a mean? millennial? I think technically... No, you're too young. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. I'm a millennial, I think. I think you're a millennial if you ever owned a dolphin belly chain in like uh, 2003. I think that that's the criteria. Oh, man. I'm not a millennial. <laughs> oh, lies. I'm, I have no doubt you had one. Where's Generation Y in I all of this? I think they're the same thing. I think they're exactly really? the same thing. They just realized they can't call it Gen Y because then they're very quickly going to run out of letters. Right, because then there's Gen Z and then it's all over. It's Which over. may well be the case. Yes, because global warming, bro. This may be the last generation of humans before the artificial intelligence decides to scrub the earth of our presence. <laughs> It it's quite possible. Could be That's what best. Elon Musk thinks is going to happen. Yeah. His fucking cars are going to get too clever and then they're going to kill us all. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah, maybe maybe that would be fine. I don't know. I mean, no, like none of my close friends intend on having babies. So uh-huh. maybe maybe that's what will happen as well. We'll just, that's so millennial. So millennial, brah. <laughs> uh-huh. But then, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things, Sam. It's we need everybody to fit in a box, and uh, the millennial box is a strange one. It's got tons of stickers on the outside. <laughs> um, it complains about fucking everything, Apparently. and uh, it really likes organic food. Yeah, and that's that's good. I don't know. I think that all of these like ranty articles about millennials are. Um, mostly just really weird because they are they're like oh they're so into like organic food and they don't buy things anymore they just want like yeah. experiences and like a shared economy and shit and i'm like yeah that all sounds amazing <laughs> i've read all of those articles so and what they boil down to is the author of this article is old and grumpy because mm-hmm. fuck it they had to live through a depression and a world war and <laughs> fuck you for being so optimistic and happy how dare you i found this beautiful article a while ago i was trying to get out again of Um, things that were published in newspapers about how shit today's young people are but all the way back to like the 1920s (laughs) and it's like all exactly the same things like every Mm. older generation has thought that every younger generation is shit in the same ways every older generation has felt that young people are entitled and selfish and all these things it's like yeah it's the next gen like i know my children are going to be smarter than me yeah they're going to dress better than me 
And fuck it, the music they're going to listen to is probably better than the music I listen to. Mm. I know this because history tells us that that's how progress works. If your children were dumber than you uh, and did things that weren't good for uh, our cultural memetics, then we wouldn't move the yeah. species forward. What would be the point then? Although right? I do feel like... Am the I one, right? Yeah, you're totally right. I could course. be wrong. I'm often I, wrong. I do feel like the one thing where my generation feels like we're decidedly fucked is... I, I think that this is the first generation for a while, like in the 20th, 20th century possibly well mm-hmm. in you know second half of the 20th century where my generation is pretty sure we're all going to be more broke than our parents i think yes. that's that's a difference i don't know if that's true either man like i speak to my friends i don't i don't even know what fucking generation i'm in but <laughs> call generation it like people Simon. who may be millennials but are kind of on the fence yeah like there's this there's this dead spot between 1975 and 1980 and if you were born in that dead spot like fuck knows what you are you're a Gen X. If you no. love Nirvana at any point, you're a Gen X. Cuck. That's not true. Okay, I'm not going to debate this with you. We can look okay. up the definitions later. Fine. Wait, there was a point to what I was saying. What were yeah. we talking about? Nirvana. The, the economy. Have the you economy. seen Montage of Heck? <laughs> no. Montage of Nirvana haircut. What? Montage of Heck. Jesus. It's the Kurt Cobain documentary. You really no. are a millennial. No. Uh, no. Is it, is it it's good? It's so worth seeing. And okay. FYI... Uh, your like millennialness is not on fleek because Nirvana's totally <laughs> in again. Spoiler alert: Kurt Cobain dies at the end. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, what was I don't know. You were I, talking <laughs> about the economy or something. Oh, your generation, your friends. I don't know. It's something about generations. Look, here's what I uh, know. I saw a talk being advertised at a place with business people for how to integrate millennials into the workplace. (laughs) And, 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 and so it got me to thinking Mm. about this like strange perception we have that there's this dividing line that I don't know which side I fall onto because I was born in a very strange year Mm. and I'm so special. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But, but that there's people coming to the workplace now who want to use their own computers, not the one you bought them, who have a better internet line at home than you are offering them at work, who mm-hmm. don't understand why they can't access some services over your stupid fucking firewall when mm-hmm. they can access them at home and nobody dies. Um, and that this somehow presents a massive problem to organizations. And that yeah. we need to think very carefully about how we work with these people because, unfortunately, just continuing to hire old people isn't very sustainable. Um, <laughs> and basically what it boils down to is, God damn it, they're too young and they're too efficient and they're too smart and they don't want to work with us. <laughs> and they make us and all what are we going to do about this? And that's what I distilled from what I could gather about this talk. Oh, that's funny. But um, then I realized it's it's not millennials, it's not kids, it's a mindset. Because, you know, I know 50s who are proficient with their Macs and 50-year-olds, yeah. that is, uh, and know how to Skype the fuck out of a, a conversation um, and use uh, Dropbox and mm. have stickers on their laptops. Uh, and they don't fit into, into these organizations yeah. either. Look, and similarly, I know 22-year-olds who really, really, really want to be in a lovely, safe corporate box. And very understandably, especially in a country like ours, where, like, you know, if you're under a certain age, um, and especially if you are a black South African, like, most people like you, probably in your extended families, probably won't get a job 
maybe ever. Um, so the idea of a very safe, comfortable corporate box seems far more enticing and, and important than, you know, some sexy, creative oh, startup yeah, absolutely. position, you know. But then, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, I think there are a lot of people who are realizing that all of the safety that people perceived in corporations 50 years ago just mm. doesn't exist anymore. There's no job security in a corporate. Yeah, totally. And, and, and they're starting to realize that the pension fund and the medical aid and all the other things they get uh, just mean they get a lower salary. And when they try and cash in any of those things, they get nasty frights as well. And so, totally. you know, this idea that big companies keep you safe yeah. uh, is just completely evaporated. Uh, and also, you, you know, I, I, I just don't feel like I could stick with one job for longer than three to five years at the moment. No, and, no. And that's, you know, on the outside. But also similarly, like that's to do with how fast companies need to be changing these days. Like um, even if you stayed in sort of nominally the same sort of business, you know, the same group of people trying to trying to work on things the, like the under, the world's problems are changing so fast and the competitive landscape or whatever is changing so fast that no mm. company can do the same thing for more than like three or four years um, without having to fundamentally rethink their assumptions every couple of years. So, you know, I don't even know what that would mean. This reminds me, though. Uh, Charles Bukowski, um, who was a terrible misogynist, oh, a brilliant, brilliant man, wrote this amazing letter once, um, I think to the editor of the paper that he worked Please at. Please tell me you're also reading on writing. No. Please tell me our telepathy is the straw. Sorry. I got a copy for you when I'm done with it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right. This was to John Martin, who is the publisher of um, Black Sparrow Press. So he wrote this amazing letter, I think when he was quitting. Um, which was all about like, wait, I want to read you a little bit. I've just opened it. It's like, um, okay. da, da, da. early on Hit when me. I was quite young and going from job to job, I was foolish enough to sometimes speak to my fellow workers. Hey, the mm-hmm. boss can come in here at any moment and lay all, us, all of us off just like that. Don't you realize that? They would just look at me. I was posing something they didn't want to enter their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, so he wrote this. It must have been like when, like in the 70s? 80s oh, no, it would have been earlier than that, probably like the 50s or 60s. No, oh, and also yeah. Pitch Perfect Bukowski impersonation. Well done, Sam. Yeah, bro. Well, no, it'll be more like, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> hey, the boss can come in here at any moment and lay us all off. Just like that. Don't you realize that? Um, I, but- I picture him be. He, I, I think he, he speaks like Tom Waits, would be my guess. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but, I mean, he speaks is- the way Tom Waits sings. I'm not yeah. sure. I've never actually heard Charles Bukowski speak. I'm not sure anyone but, I mean, has. My point here, though, in general, is that it's amazing to me how short people's memory is for history, right? Like, oh, hell yeah. Like, the people were feeling these things, you know, for the last many decades. Um, they're not new things. They're just, like, people are feeling them in different ways and talking about them in different ways. Well, but, yeah. And we're blessed with the ability to do something about it now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... The, the previous uh, industrial revolution was completely different in that you needed like massive amounts of capital and infrastructure to make things. And mm. now you don't, you know, mm. I think I think this era is all about uh, the ability of an individual to pull something out of the ground with with almost no capital uh, and no infrastructure of their own. Yeah. And like what a time to be alive, man. Mm. Like you can you can 3D print the thing and then send it to the guy in China <laughs> who makes the other thing and then you know your website is on Wix or Squarespace and there's yeah. another guy at a logistics place that sends it out and it sounds easier than it is but but fuck <laughs> me it's a lot easier than it was 100 years ago. Yeah. Um and and I think this is something I so you know I, I interface with a lot of 
entrepreneurship hubs and mm. innovation hubs. Mm. Um, and those, those spaces are full. They're full of people who are sitting at desk jobs going, why am I doing this when it's so easy to not do this now? Mm. And they're looking for help. And, and, it's, you know, and then you, you say things like, well, just get started, uh, which makes it sound easier than it is. But totally. you know, 50 years ago, Charles Bukowski would be sitting at his desk going, well, this is terrible and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> and, now, and now it's like, this is terrible and there's something I can do about it. And also, I speak like a millennial because I don't smoke and eat gravel. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you, mm-hmm. millennials have higher pitched voices. That's, that's one oh, thing. They totally do. They totally do. They're such a oh This is basically how you know you're a millennial. Um, yeah, totally. That is exciting. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's also not quite that easy. Um, and what's interesting to me, like, I've been, you know, like, because I've been working a lot in the banking and financial services sector is understanding, like, <laughs> financial <laughs> services like you. Sam works um, in financial services. I know, it's hilarious. Um, it's the funniest I joined the man, man. I joined the man. Um, but it's like understanding how much what you want to do is restricted by legislation and like how and which is a ridiculous idea because it's all rent seeking. Basically, it's like legalized rent seeking. It's like um, like rules about who can't disrupt existing businesses in what ways and often for very good reasons. But, you know, like it's not it's not like you can just go and do things because people are trying very hard to make it hard for new people to do things differently. Yeah, although, you know, like regulation is about critical mass as well. I mean, mm. look, at, look, at, look at software uh, piracy mm. uh, and, or, or rather media piracy. Like it's, it's outright illegal to download a movie, right? That's mm. what the law says. And in some countries you can go to prison. Mm-hmm. And so everybody stopped doing it overnight, right? <laughs> no. no. Because, you know, it's fine having regulation and legislation if you complete it. But when 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 you when you you go to society going yeah. you may not do this when this is something that doesn't hurt anybody there's no perceived victim yeah. uh, you know the victim was supposed to be Hollywood which now makes more money than it ever has before totally um, yeah and 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 a I'm not hurting anybody b there's no technical friction to me doing this yeah. and c like whatever come lock us all up but fuckers. There's, I mean, then. The- Although then, then the legislation doesn't matter anymore, right? There's such a class double standard about this, right? Because if you think about the correlation between like piracy, like media piracy and the war on drugs as an example, okay? So in many countries, like many, many hundreds of thousands of people, poor people, often people of color, um, are sitting in a prison system because they're doing something that an enormous amount of people do that is related to, you know like often health problems and a number of other things um and they're they're sitting in prison before you know because of it like and it's disrupted entire communities and then you've got software piracy which similarly like you know everyone does um and they're not they're not criminalizing like 10 percent of the population but because that's what that's what they would have to do if they really wanted to police it um, mm. Which is an interesting correlation, though, you know, because yeah. they would be if they if they were criminalizing software piracy, I mean, or media piracy, they'd be criminalizing 10 percent of the middle class taxpayer population. And no one wants to do that. You know, so it's like well, it, and it's also unjust. control of scarcity. Right. So, yeah. you know, you look at you look at the dumbest businesses on the planet. No, not banks, although they are right up there. But but mobile network operators, you know, yeah. and they 
They, there's regulation, sure, but they control a scarcity. There's only so much frequency available in the air, and building out a cellular mm. network requires billions of dollars for infrastructure, right? Mm. So they'll always control that scarcity, and as stupid as they are, there's not much we can do about it. But then you look at a bank, there's no scarcity they control. The only thing they had protecting their business was regulation. Mm. And now we have the blockchain. We have our own ledgers. We've got Bitcoin. Mm. Like, it's going to be many, many years before anything like Bitcoin takes off, but it's there and it works. And now all the banks have the regulation, but the regulation doesn't matter anymore because there's no scarcity they control that the Mm. regulator can award licenses for. Um, And and nobody gives a fuck. And also, (laughs) like, try and stop it. You know, go and switch the internet off when you make Bitcoin illegal. Um, and, and maybe Bitcoin's a stupid example, but everything from like self-driving cars to yeah. drones to things become technologically possible before they can become regulated because yeah. regulators sit with their fingers in their asses all day drinking smoothies and it takes them three years to fucking decide what to have for lunch. So for them to write regulation, it's, it's like, you know, we, we, we can solve a technological block in a week that will take regulators five years to deliberate about before they start writing the regulation for. We just... I just, it doesn't feel like we need them anymore. It also feels like it has nothing to do with what we were talking about. (laughs) No, it kind of does. I mean, like Bitcoin is an interesting example specifically at the moment though, right? Because um, like I have been hearing so much crap about like, oh, Bitcoin is over, blah, 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 blah. And it's like this great joy, this like schadenfreude of like, you see, we told you it couldn't work. It sounded too good to be true. And I mean, you obviously know much more about this than me, but like what it sounds like to me is that even if Bitcoin is about to fail like the blockchain isn't like the fundamental concept and principle of what the blockchain is is fine right hmm right yes yes <laughs> settle settle my mind here like unrelated because I okay wait Bitcoin. rephrase the question I don't think I understand it so I'm seeing a lot of like natterings at the moment about how Bitcoin is over oh with the my, whole my current thing yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's this divide in the Bitcoin community where um, th- there's this block size debate because at the moment the Bitcoin network can only um, process six or seven transactions a second or whatever mm-hmm. it is um, because of because of this block size on the blockchain, which is an artificial limit, which was put in there um, by the pioneers of of the network for various reasons, both philosophical and technical. Um, and now, because Bitcoin has become so popular and so many transactions are happening, it's been slowing the network down. Mm. Uh, and there's a rift between the guys who want to fix it now and the guys who want to fix it later for philosophical reasons. And also a rift between the guys who want to fix it one way and the guys who want to fix it another way. Um, and, and so prominent figures like Mike Hearn, who, who you know was one of the pioneering developers of the blockchain, um, have thrown their hands in the air and gone, fuck this, this, this community doesn't know what it's doing and Bitcoin has failed and no. cashed in all of their coin and left. Then mm. you've got the other uh, sort of more sane uh, individuals like Gavin Andreessen, who is at the helm of Bitcoin development with his team at MIT, mm. who's going, no, it's cool. Like, you know, we can push an update virtually overnight and if mm. there's enough consensus from miners, uh, it'll be incorporated and Bitcoin will carry on and mm. there's no problem. And that's the camp I tend to agree with. And so... Mm. Um, there's, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the site. There's a site that tracks every time somebody prominent says Bitcoin has failed, and my code <laughs> is number eighty-nine. <laughs> That's really and funny. So, yeah. And so you look at the price of Bitcoin. It's yeah. three times what it was this time last year. 
Um, it's probably yeah. going to duck a bit before the halving event in June, July. The mm. point is that there's no one person, yeah. um, and despite what Mike heard said, handful of people who control Bitcoin. It's just mm. not true. It's a community of tons of people and now yeah. serious investors. Um, and this thing has taken on a life of, of its own. And totally. so yeah. like this, this debacle, as serious as it may seem to people like Mike Hearn, yeah. uh, I think to the rest of the world, it's like, whatever, dude, we'll push yeah. an update. The community will decide which they like the most, incorporated or not, and we'll move on. I mean, as an outsider, it feels a lot like the, the web is dead debates that like pop up every couple of years. Oh, totally. You know, like, totally. because I mean, the web, I mean, this is what's fascinating about things like the blockchain or the web or whatever is that there is no central authority it's like there are protocols that people agree on for as long as they're useful and then they evolve and they fracture every now and then into like 125 competing ideas about how things should work but you know the web is not going anywhere clearly um yeah no the um you know the the web is uh, it's it's apparently still in use in some places i hear um, so I hear a lot so. of companies have websites now in fact uh, i even used it this morning in fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, I, I, I'm a prolific web user. I don't like. I don't like talking about it openly because because uh, <laughs> the regulators might be listening. A bit embarrassing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Totally. <laughs> um, sometimes I watch videos on it. That's oh all I'm God. saying. That's all I'm saying. Oh, oh kitten videos. Ooh. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so funny. Because yeah. I might be a millennial. I but might is, not. But I, I mean, don't know. I'm still deciding by watching as many kitten videos as I can. <laughs> But I mean, that is like a weird thing for people to get their heads around. You know, it's like, but who controls it? Like, who decides how we do things? It's like everyone does. Nobody um, deal with it. Just like nobody's actually in charge of society or trees growing or yeah. the wind in your hair. Like, no one is in charge of the fact that no, we're not allowed to walk outside without pants on. Um, and yet, sadly, <laughs> everyone kind of agrees, which is tragic. You know, but yeah, that's, and that's, that's and that's all it is. It's consensus, right? Yeah. And so before we need we needed central authorities to track consensus and 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 smack people on the head when they deviated from the statistical norm. Whereas now it's like, you know what? We can make the computers do that. Like, let's drink more cocktails and let the computers worry about consensus, and we'll just all make sure that the computers know what we think. Yeah. Or, or something like that. Until the computers kill us all. I'm not sure if that's really how things work. Sam, would Simon. you like to tell me about something you found that you really love? Dude, I've been playing this game. Sorry, this should be something like interesting and important. But instead, I've been it's playing game. this game. It's a game, of course it is. It's called Octodad, Dadliest Catch. And it's, I have seen this. Apparently, it's splendid. It's so funny. So I have this like deep love of really basic video games that are just funny basically yes. like because i really believe that what the video game industry needs are better writers not like more hardcore visual effects and stuff although Preach. those things are nice too um but so octodad like i played the first one ages ago and i think the first one was built in like essentially a couple of weeks um and almost like a hack type thing and it was super super fun and basic so dadly's catch is the sequel and it's fumble core basically so the the plot is that you're an octopus disguised as a human male and nice. you've got to perform very basic functions like make coffee without anyone noticing how clumsy you are because if people see you being clumsy they get suspicious and then someone will realize that you're just an octopus in a in a man suit nice. <laughs> so, but it's really fun um and there's something incredibly absurd and ridiculous about like trying to pick up a fucking cup of coffee and you can't because you have like all these legs that are just going in all directions which basically sort of feels like it's imitating what my daily life is like because i'm clumsy as fuck but like it's really fun um people should play it it will make you giggle oh i oh. am totally gonna play it 
And and on that note, ah, let me figure out. We're trying to remember what this thing was called. So on this note, I, and we were talking about making things earlier. So I'm on a mission to make more things this year. Um, nice. And I've been making very basic video games uh, through, and I've realized that there are a whole bunch of very basic game engines that help you do these things, even if you have no idea what the fuck you're doing. Um, so one that I was playing with, unfortunately, it only works on the PC, but it's this wonderful engine called Construct 2. Um, and literally within a couple of hours um, from installing it, I'd made two games, one with a friend where you are Bernie Sanders and you're throwing bloody tampons at Donald Trump's face and you get a point every time one of your bloody tampons hits his face, which is just deeply satisfying. And another one where you are David, it, you're David Hasselhoff and you're catching puppies. So, uh, you know, I mean, these are definitely going to make they're their winners. way into they're the winners. mainstream but, uh, front page on Steam. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, they look like shit, but they're functional. And it honestly took me a couple of hours to make both of these things. So That's um, so rad. Construct 2. And there's a bunch of others. Um, what was the other one I installed that was way more complicated? So I actually didn't do anything with it. Wait, let me check my applications list. Uh, I don't even care. Uh, there aren't no, there aren't any good ones for Mac or ones that I found. Stencil with a Y. That was the Mac one. Stencil is not as good as Construct 2. Construct 2 is amazing. If you can get your hands on a PC, you should install it and make really ridiculous video games. That's it. That's that's my thing. Yes. Nice. What have you nice. discovered? I I bought a copy as I mentioned earlier of Charles Bukowski's On Writing. Ooh. Um, I've read another book called On Writing by Stephen King, which I is my favorite book one. about writing. Yeah. Charles Bukowski on writing isn't about on writing. It's a collection of his letters that, from what I can tell, was published quite recently. Like, it was last year, I think. Ah. Um, so, obviously, there was a stash of his letters somewhere that somebody stumbled upon and said, hey, we haven't, you know, hit the Bukowski cow for a while. <laughs> um, but it's fun reading through his musings and his letters to publishers and whatever. So, I highly recommend that. Um, and since books are my thing at the moment, and I know I'm a little bit late to the fray, but I also bought Sandman Overture. Aww, oh, my God. Amazing. It's so good. I mean, it's like every time you think Neil Gaiman's reached his peak, he yeah. just kicks you in the face, man. And, God. Uh, I, you just go out and buy it. Like, you know, you're fucking around with TV series and movies and all this shit when, when you know, Neil Gaiman has just basically made the best series of anything ever. Mm-hmm. Done. End of story. Where is that? Mic. Where is that Jason Gordon Levitt thing, like Sandman TV project? Yeah, I'm, but I mean, how would you even begin shooting Sandman yeah. as a television <laughs> impossible. show? I mean, totally impossible. firstly, the budget you would require, like yeah. everything Game of Thrones has spent to date, you would have to invest in the first fifteen minutes of Sandman. Actually, it's, I would kind of love it if it was done with super low budget special effects, like Doctor Who nineteen no. eighties level special effects. <laughs> I think it would be kind of great. That's not right, Samantha. Yes. No, it, it has to be. It has to be the most epic thing ever because Sandman is the most epic thing ever. It really is just the most incredible, one of the most incredible works of art of any genre of the 20th Absolutely. century. Absolutely. So those are things I'm loving. I don't feel like they're highly actionable. No, they are. Go out and buy them. You yeah, f- but shit. I mean, dudes, totally. Um, speaking of Jason Gordon-Levitt, have you seen that like collaborative production company project that he started? I have not. I think that Jason Gordon-Levitt might be the lord of the millennials. Um, oh, really? Wait, wait, let me find this thing. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know sort of where it's going to go. 
Uh, wait, let me let me just find this thing. Pro- I don't think I know this human. No, you do. You definitely do. He's like he was Robin in the new Batman things. Oh, okay. No, you definitely know this better. guy. Of course I do. Course yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy. Why is he Lord of the Millennials though? Okay, so he I was think- born in 1981. FYI. Oh, that's I. Does he count? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We have to ask him if he ever owned a dolphin belly chain. Um, I'll yeah. tweet him this question immediately. Cool. Uh, okay. DM him. So he's got this new thing called Hit Record. No, Snapchat him. <laughs> he's got this new thing called Hit Record. Um, and it'll be, you know, it remains to be seen whether it'll really do stuff. But I really love the idea. So basically, it's like a collaborative production company. So people put up these briefs. So they're like, hey, here's a bunch of illustrations. Uh, make some rad GIFs out of them nice. or whatever, all like open source stuff. But then um, they sort of have this team of curators who pick up whatever the most interesting stuff uh, that is uploaded. Um, and then, you know, Jason Gordon-Levitt obviously has connections in the industry and big reputation, whatever. And they're trying to, like, get stuff actually produced. And then all creators get a cut. I don't know how much of a cut. That's brilliant. It's just a really fun idea. So, I mean, it's also just a fun place to go and browse around for interesting, like, briefs. If you've got some hours free and you want to use your... What's that term for, like, cognitive surplus? If you want to use your cognitive surplus to make some shit. Oh, uh, that's my great favorite bullshit term coined yeah. in the last 10 years. It's good. It's like... Thank you, Clay Shirky. You wrote a whole book about how people, if people watched less TV, they'd be able to do more other stuff. Exactly. Genius. But it's true. It's so true. Yeah. Of course it's true. (laughs) It's like if you jump up in the air, you come back down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It is true. We don't need a book, Clay. We don't need a book about this. Yeah. A tweet would have been fine. But how would Clay have managed to buy his, I don't know, many mansions that he probably owns if he hadn't? Shame. I don't know. And of course, Clay listens to this. We love you, Clay. We're just being totally facetious. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, Sam. Hi. (laughs) So those are are very cool things. I totally support your Sandman recommendation, especially. Nice. Overture. Nice. Cool. Well, so this has been splendid. Is that your fuck you, I need to get back to work noise? Pretty. No, it's just basically (laughs) fuck you. (laughs) I love you so much, Simon, and you're so mean. I to love me. you more. No, I you love don't. You, way more. you don't clearly. I do. Telling me to fuck off. <laughs> no, I would never tell you to fuck off, Sam. Oh. Only if it sounded funny. Okay, fine. Because oh. you know these conversations end up on the internet, and sometimes people listen to them. Oh, right, so here's and, here's a real question. So, if people wanted to find these conversations on the internet, where do they go? Because have we moved over ooh, to ghost? That's yet? very meta. I love that because <laughs> you know, ergo, if they're listening to this, they kind of have found it. But yeah. Uh, you would go to takebacktheday.co. You don't have to go there. You could go to iTunes. You could go to SoundCloud. You could go to Stitcher. Maybe you want to hit up some... Uh, what's it called? I can't remember now. But anywhere you find good podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, you will find these conversations between Sam or I. We, we still haven't decided why we do them, but fuck it. Our stats tell us that I there know, are people listening. I know listening. why we're doing them, because it is fun. Because I'm just going to talk to you about this stuff today anyway. Exactly. And so we may as well just put it on the internet. Put our, all the cats and babies just, and dolphins. Just and ejaculate our cognitive surplus all just over like, the internet. Pfft, whether all the, over internet the internet wants it or not. There you go. <laughs> Stick it in your millennial ear holes. Or don't <laughs> if you're a Generation Xer or a baby boomer. Uh-huh. You can still listen to it too. And there will be equal amounts of mirth for you. <laughs> okay, my darling. I'm going to let you get to work. Okay, I love you, Sam. I love you. Now fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye.